So today we are finishing up, we're wrapping up our series called Make Your Mark, and we've been talking about our mark. We've been talking about our mission as a church, and that is to summit, right, at disciple-making disciples. And so that's, that's where we're going, that's the hike that we're on, that's the climb that we're doing. And, um, and, and, and so we're, we're right at the end of this, and, and I don't know about you, but there's a piece of me today that's sad to see this 11 weeks go as we're ending this series. If it wasn't for Advent, we'd probably keep walking through these marks of a disciple um, and keep going because this has been, hands down, one of, the, one of my favorite message series of all time um, because I, I, I've just loved diving into these things with you for the last 11 weeks. And you know, they say, and, and, and I know they, like these folks that sit in these offices down in Tennessee and study churches and all that stuff. You should never preach a sermon series over like five weeks or six weeks. And we're on week 11, and I think it's been the best thing we've ever done. So whatever. Um, anyway, uh, and so um, maybe we can send them an email. Anyway, um, but, uh, but we've talked about, right, a passion for Jesus as being a marker of a disciple. We've talked about knowledge of the scriptures. We've talked about the importance of community, the importance of this for reasons like we just saw. Um, for reasons like we just saw. And, uh, and, and, and then we talked about a heart for the lost, a heart for those that don't know him, a heart for those that aren't experiencing this, right? That aren't experiencing this. And then we talked about uh, last Sunday, uh, generations. And today we're kind of kind of continue this idea of spiritual generations as well as launch us. Because one of the things that we talked about a few minutes ago in our first service, the last 11 weeks means nothing unless we do something with it. It means nothing. It was just great words, great messages, you know, all of that, blah, 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 unless we do something with it. Unless we do something with it. Unless we go out of these doors in a few moments, a few hours, whatever the case may be, and do something with it. And so make your mark. And so as we've talked about a mark of a disciple, the marks of a disciple, a mark is defined as a clear and noticeable target. Right? We're going to hit our mark. We're going to make our mark. Um, it also means to be set apart. And that's the part that I believe Summit really fits when it comes to make your mark. That we are a group of people that are set apart for a task of making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. I loved last week when we talked about legacy and we talked about, man, wouldn't it be awesome in years? I mean, let's just take 190 years, right? Because, because that's, that's where South Gorham was when we merged as a church and we came together and we think about, man, man what are the stories? I, I sat with somebody on, on, on Tuesday or Monday at lunch who's been a part of the, the, the body for 60 years. What a legacy. Some amazing stories that were being shared and, and, and some excitement around things that are, that are coming as well. And it was just awesome to be a part of it. Man, in 60 years, what are they going to sit at Subway and talk about with Summit? And I pray that it's a legacy of disciples who made disciples who made disciples and how Henry Carson took this person under their wing and under his wing and just taught him everything he knew. And so to launch us this morning into this last message of this series, I want you to turn to the book of Romans, chapter 15. Paul, I, I love the book of Romans. It's one of Paul's most uh, 
the books with the most depth. He, he goes really in depth with the church at Rome about theology and doctrine. And then in chapter 15, when he's kind of landing the plane, it's a, it's a book of 16 chapters, and as he's kind of landing the plane here in, in chapter 15, verse 14, he says something that I think just really applies to us and where, we're, where we've been and where we're going. He says to the church at Rome in verse 14 of Romans chapter 15, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness. Now just pause there for a second. Everybody look right here. Isn't it awesome when someone who's had authority over you, like I think of, I think of a parent or I think of a mentor, I think of a coach, looks at you and sa- says something about your life, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. You know, when I think about my dad, that's the thing I miss the most about him is is my dad looking at me and saying, son, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. You know, and, and, and that's what we live for. Like those are the moments that we, that, that we long for and we live for. And that's what Paul is doing here with the church at Rome. He looks at them and he says, I myself am satisfied about you. I'm proud of you. You're doing a good thing. You're doing a great work. Why? That you're full of goodness. I love having this back there. We, we haven't had that back there before. It's back there right now, and I can just look at it right there, and you guys think I just know it, right? <laughs> this is all, I shouldn't have said anything, because it'd be like I'm pointing to the heavens, and not, you just know, right? It's awesome. <laughs> I'm proud of you, right? I'm satisfied about you that you're full of goodness, and here's what I want you to grab. Filled with all knowledge. And, don't miss the and, able to instruct one another. That's discipleship. That we ourselves are filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. Able to instruct one another. And this is what Paul was satisfied. But, but, but to get verse 14, I want you to jump back to verse 13. It's not going to be on the screen, but if you have your Bible there in front of you, jump back one verse ahead because I want you to notice one important thing here. He says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of your pastor you may abound in hope. So that by the power you've earned in being a part of the church for so long. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may bound in hope. And I pray, pray that one thing you've gotten over the last 11 weeks is this. You're not capable on your own. You're not capable because of the church you're a part of. You're not capable because of the experience you have or because of this or that. You're capable because of one thing and one thing only, the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you that equips you and enables you to do the work that He, God, has called you to do. Filled with all knowledge by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the power of the Holy Spirit able to instruct one another. That's the mission. That's the mark. Isn't that awesome? I mean, sign me Upset on fire for this mission, and this is the prayer of Summit Church. We talked about it last week, 2 Timothy 2 2. And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these things to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The four generations of disciples that we see in this verse Paul is talking to Timothy, who trained 
Paul, right? It, 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 it dates back. So we have Paul, we have, we have whoever trained Paul, right? And then we have Paul, and then we have Timothy, and then we have um, uh, faithful men, and then we have who will be able to teach others also. There's actually five generations of disciples in that one verse, 2 Timothy 2.2. What a powerful thing. And that's the heart. That's the heart, is this generational discipleship. That church is our summit. So, if we look at Matthew chapter 9, where we're going to camp out for just a little bit, I want us to see something that Jesus saw as an issue. In fact, he saw two issues here in this passage and one solution. John chapter, uh, excuse me, Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 35, says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. Verse 36, When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. See, Jesus saw the need and had compassion on them. He saw two problems here. Shepherdless sheep. He saw shepherdless sheep. He said because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on them. This tugged at Jesus' heart. The second issue that he saw, the second problem that Jesus had with this picture is that he saw fruit that needed to be picked. He saw fruit that needed to be picked, but that no one was picking. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. I'll never forget, I've shared this story, but it's been a few years. Kristen and I were dating, we may have even been engaged, and we were down in Florida at her grandmother's house. And her grandmother had a very small house, she was a snowbird at the time, and so she would go down to to Florida, and it was, it, you know, one of, the, one of these trailers, and, and she had a side front yard. You know what that's right, right? You know what that is, right? It's the side yard and the front yard all in one. She had a, you could call it a front side yard. Anyway, um, but, but she, she had a very small yard, but in her small yard, it was, it was probably about the size of this stage, in her small yard, she had a giant orange tree. So we had a day where we were just hanging out with Grammy at the house, and I think Kristen and Grammy were watching Price is Right, and I'd had about enough of that, and um, so I decided I was going to, you know, be helpful. And so I went to Grammy, and I said, hey, Grammy, can I um, do anything for you? Can I serve you in, in any way? Um, and, and she said, well, you know, my, 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 my orange tree needs to get all the oranges. We need to get all the oranges off the orange tree. Now, I benefited from this as well because every morning at Grammy's house in Florida, she would do a nice, fresh, squeezed glass of orange juice. And I'm not talking about a small glass. I'm talking about a tall, okay? And it was, it was amazing. And so I benefited. So I'm like, sure, Grammy. I would love to serve you in that way. Helps me out a little bit too. I'll go out. She gave me this tool, and I go out in the, in the front side yard and start getting oranges off. Came in about 15 minutes later, and I had about five or six oranges. I said, all right, Grammy, anything else I can do for you? She said, are all the oranges off the tree? I said, yeah, of course they are. I mean, your future grandson-in-law just went and took care of your orange tree like you asked me to. Of course they are. So she said, let's go out and look. I said, all right. So I followed Grammy out. She walked right under the tree, and she looked up, and she said, Travis, come in here. So I army crawled right under the tree and, uh, and, and stood up under the tree. She said, look up. And as I looked up, I saw tons of oranges still in that tree, but I couldn't see them from the outside. 
she said, did you get all the oranges? Just like a Grammy can do, you know? Like to totally put you in your place without really putting you, anyway. And I said, no, Grammy, apparently I didn't. I guess I've still got some work to do. And for the, for the entire afternoon in Florida, in the heat, I was in a tree and getting oranges out of the, out of the tree. And, and I kid you not, hours, hours I was out there scaling this tree, being in places that no one my height is ever intended to be, <laughs> getting the oranges. But the truth was, there was fruit that needed to be picked. And I got the easy fruit. But there was fruit that was ripe, that was ready to be picked right underneath. But I had to look for it. So Jesus had an issue with this, right? There were shepherdless sheep, and there was fruit that needed to be picked. And there was one solution. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send workers. So as I think about this, as I think about the shepherdless sheep and the, the issue that Jesus had with that, and I think about the fruit that needed to be picked and the issue that Jesus had with that, I think we have the same thing today. There's shepherdless sheep. There's fruit that needs to be picked. Why don't we pick it? Why aren't we reproducing? Why aren't we reaping the harvest as His church? And it made me think about a message that I heard a few years ago that was actually preached in the year 1955 by a guy by the name of Dawson Trotman. Now, some of you may know who Dawson Trotman is, but if you don't, he's a, he is the man that founded the ministry, the Navigators, right? And we have a couple navigators around here. Um, it, it's kind of deceiving when you say navigator because you think, man, I should take them on the boat and they can help me. They won't. Um, but, um, but, but he founded this ministry called The Navigators, and it was really founded on this idea that, that, that Dawson Trotman talks about in his message called Born to Reproduce. And I want to talk through five things that he says in his message, again, that was preached, and I'm going to say this a couple more times in a minute, but it was preached in 1955 as five reasons why Christians don't, everybody say don't, reproduce. Five reasons why we don't reproduce, why we don't reap the harvest, why we don't get dirty for this mission. And the first one is this, sin. Oh wow, we're starting out nice and easy, right? Sin, again, preached in 1955, Dawson Trotman says, sin, overt, covert, unconfessed. He says another factor that can hinder reproduction is disease or impairment to some part of the body that is needed for reproductive purposes. Makes sense, right? He goes on to say, in the spiritual realm, sin is the disease that can keep one from winning the lost. And so he very frankly asks, are you producing? If not, why not? Is it because of a lack of communion with Christ your Lord? He says, remember, get this, remember nothing under heaven except sin, immaturity, and lack of communion will put you in a position where you cannot reproduce. Nothing under heaven except sin, immaturity, and lack of communion will put you in a position where you cannot reproduce. But, he says, wherever you find a Christian who is not leading men and women to Christ, something is wrong. 
Wherever you find a Christian who is not leading men and women to Christ, something is wrong. Now, there are many different methods, and we've talked about that all through this series. There's many different methods and many different ways to do that, but anywhere we find a Christian who is not passionate about people who don't know Jesus, coming to know Jesus, something's wrong. And he says it again, are you producing? If not, why not? And what he was getting to is there's sin in your life. Is there a sin in your life that's keeping you from reproducing, that's keeping you from the communion with Jesus that gives you the white, hot passion to see people who don't know him come to know him? Is there sin in your life? The second reason he says that we don't reproduce, that we don't accomplish this mission is fear of man. Oh, I hear this one so often. But if I tell them about Jesus, if I invite them to church, I might lose a friend. What are they going to think of me? Or, I mean, fast forward to 2018, they may unfollow me. All right, Mike Tilton got that, but some of our young people are so... Just some of you are like unfollow. What is that? Okay, fear of man. But can, can I just real quick say something? We're walking into the easiest month of the year where it's to talk about Jesus. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. We're talking into the easiest month where we can bring Jesus up and invite someone to church. I mean, he's everywhere, right? It's beginning to look a lot. I started Christmas music Friday. Not before, but Friday. Okay, anyway. But we're, we're walking into that season, right? Oh, but I'm afraid. I love this verse, Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. But whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Number one, sin. Number two, fear of man. Number three, Lack of a spiritual purpose in life. Lack of a spiritual purpose in life. I was sitting with a friend of mine on Tuesday, and um, we don't uh, get much time together. Maybe it was Monday. I don't, it doesn't matter. But I was, we, don't, we don't get much time together. He goes to another church. And, 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 uh, and, and so he had the week off and, and um, asked if we could get some coffee. And so we sat down, and we were just sharing our hearts with each other. He's one of those guys where, you know, you, you have those people in your life, right, where you haven't seen each other in a few weeks, but then you see each other, and you start talking, and you pick up right where you left off. And, and so he was sharing with me, and I was sharing with him. And, and he got to the point, and he said, he said, you know, he said, what's your mission? Like, I don't, weren't we just talking about hunting? I mean, what's, that's a little aggressive, right? He says, what's your mission? So I started, you know, talking about, you know, decided, he's like, I don't care about the church's mission. I want to know your mission. What is your mission? What are you trying to accomplish today for you and for the glory of God? What is your mission? And so I did what anybody would do. I dodged the question, and we kept on talking. And we, we went about 15 minutes and more into the conversation. We were talking about different things and different, different, different things that sounded good when it came to mission. And, and then he started just really um, kind of dumping on, on, on some other things and, and, and really started sharing his heart. And I, I got to the place and I was like, here's my window of opportunity. And I said, well, I got a question for you. What's your mission? And you could just see everything like the light bulb go up. 
oh yeah. I was like, and he started talking. And I was like, no, 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 I don't want your church. What is your mission for what you want to accomplish today for the glory of God? We talked about it last week. Busyness versus productivity. If we're being productive for the gospel, if we're being productive for the kingdom, guess what? We're moving towards the mission. But if we're just busy, we're just moving. And when Dawson Chapman preached this message in 1955, he said, lack of spiritual purpose in life. So my question for you is this morning, do you know your mission? Do you know what you're living for? Do you know why you're getting out of bed tomorrow? What's your mission? Number four. Now again, I just want to remind you, this message was preached in 1955. And it blew me away, especially these next two, in thinking about the things that, that we struggle with today and we think, oh, things are so different now. We have new struggles. We have new hills that we've got to get over. Number four, busyness. Busyness is the fourth thing that Dawson Trotman shared as a reason that people don't reproduce in the church. He said, I believe that, I believe that is why Satan puts all his efforts into getting the Christian busy, 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 but not producing. He tells the story of the, from, from 1 Kings chapter 20 about a man who gave a prisoner to a servant and instructed the servant to guard the prisoner well, but as the servant was busy here and there, the prisoner made his escape. The curse of today, now again, this is from 1955, the curse of today is that we're too busy. I'm not talking about being busy earning money to buy food, I'm talking about being busy doing Christian things. We have spiritual activity with little productivity. Now, if that can be said in 1955, how many of you would say that that's a challenge of the church in 2018? Right, her? And what's the definition of insanity again? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. So if we're going to get this, if we're going to start reproducing as His church and fulfilling the mission that God placed us on this earth for, we're ambassadors for Christ, God's plan to save the world, right? If we're going to do that, if we're going to accomplish our mission, I think from 1955 to 2018, going forward, we're going to have to change some things. We're going to have to change our approach a little bit. I mean, does anybody see that? Because I don't know about you, but let's see, that's, that's what, 50, 63 years. Okay, so 63 years, 63 down the, years down the road, that's 63 plus 18, that'd be 81. I don't, want to be, I don't want the church to be sitting here in 2081. I might be preaching still, I might not be. But I don't want the church to be sitting here in 2081 quoting a message that we did back in 2018 and talking about the busyness and the lack of productivity that the church was seeing then and saying, man, isn't it time for a change? What if that change happened now? What if we could shift that now? What if we could take our busyness and place those things aside and said, you know what? Making disciples is the utmost important thing in my life. Because I believe it was the utmost important thing in the life and heart and passion and work of Jesus. And then number five, it kind of goes along with number four, but... 
He says Christians do important jobs, but not the most important. We've talked about this already, but I, w- I want to share this with you, what Dawson Trotman said. This is the last excerpt we'll read from him this morning. But I just thought it was too powerful not to share directly from him. He says, in every Christian audience, I think he's sharing at a pastor's conference or something um, uh, when, when he preached this message. But he says, in every Christian audience, I'm sure that there are men and women who have been Christians for 5, 10, or 20 years. But who, but who do not know of one person who is living for Jesus today because of them. I'm not talking about merely working for Christ, but about producing for Christ. Some may say, I gave out 100,000 tracks. That's good, but how many sheep did you bring in? But today we have a lot of pew sitters. Um, those are the wooden... <laughs> Today we call them chair sitters. Okay, today we... Sorry, I had to. But today we have a lot of chair sitters. People who think that if they are faithful in church attendance, put good-sized gifts into the offering plate and get people to come, they've done their part. Man, I love this. He says, if I were a minister of a church and had deacons or elders to pass the plate and choir members to sing, I would say, thank God for your help. We need you. Praise the Lord for extra things you do but I would keep pressing home the big job. Be fruitful and multiply. All these other things are incidental to the supreme task of winning a man or woman to Jesus Christ and then helping him or her to go on. Wow. I would keep pressing home the big job. Be fruitful and multiply. I want you to know, I mean, we're, we're wrestling over this as your pastors and and in this, in this process, because, because we believe that God has placed Summit Church here to be different, to make disciples. To see generations, to see legacies and legacies of disciples. And one of the things that we sit around the table and wrestle with a lot, if I can just kind of give you a window into, into something that we're thinking, and I know probably there's, there, there's probably 80 or 90 people in the room right now, and there's 80 or 90 different solutions to this, and trust me, I get it. But when we sit around the table and we wrestle with with different things about you and about our church and about where we're going, one of the things we wrestle with the most is how many asks we put on you. Because for every ask that we put on you, that's another ask that you feel responsible to do or to accomplish that may take you away from making disciples. That may take you away from having a relationship with your neighbor, having dinner with your neighbor. I get it. A few years ago, I got really frustrated because someone asked me, they said, how many people are in your life right now that don't know Jesus, that you're intentionally rubbing elbows with and spending time with? And I realized the only per- people I talked to were you. I realized the only people that I rubbed elbows with, that I had dinner uh, uh, with, that I, that I did meals with, that I did life with were Christians. And I'm like, hold up. That's not good. And so I started coaching every rec basketball team that my kids would let me coach. And I started doing this. I started doing that so that I could get around people that needed the hope that I have in Christ Jesus and that I might be able to share it with them. Five reasons that Dawson Trotman gave in 1955 I still believe we battled today. How passionate are we going to be? 
If you go back to Matthew chapter 9, Jesus says, I've got two issues. There's sheep without a shepherd, and there's ripe fruit that needs to be picked, but no one's picking it. But he says there's one solution. If you go to verse 38, he says, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers, workers, as some translations say. The solution is pray for workers. I will never forget the first time I heard this verse put this way to me. I was at a breakfast table, and I was really sharing some frustrations. And, and, and I'll, I'll be just real honest with you this morning. I didn't want to be in ministry anymore. <laughs> I was just really frustrated, and it was about five or six years ago, and, and, and I, I didn't feel like I had anything to offer, and I, I was just having a woe is me day and just a real pity party at this breakfast table. And the guy that was sitting across the table from me, he said, I got the solution for all your problems. I said, great. I grabbed my phone, I opened the notes app, and I said, all right, pour it on me. Give me what you got. I'll take notes, and I'll, I'll go and do exactly what you tell me to do. He said, turn to Matthew chapter 9, verse 38. Read the verse, all right? The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. I said, exactly. I didn't read the rest of the verse. I said, exactly. The laborers are few. I'm all by myself. I'm alone in this, and I just need people to help me. He, he said, you didn't read the whole verse. He said, therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send workers. Now again, this was five or six years ago, and you can imagine my frustration because I just, I wanted to pay whatever amount of money that I needed to pay. I wanted to say whatever I needed to say to convince some workers to come and, 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 and join the fight and, and do this and do that, right? Because, because I, I just wanted a quick answer, a quick solution, Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send workers. And so I left that breakfast meeting about as encouraged and upbeat as you can imagine. I was pretty defeated. And I went home and told my wife, I was like, all right, I guess we're not done. And she's like, I could have told you that. <laughs> I said, wow, you're encouraging too. <laughs> I said, but I know what we need to do. She said, okay, what is it? I said, we need to start praying for workers. We need to start praying for laborers. And man, it was awesome. In February, when God answered that prayer, five years later, it was awesome. A couple years after that, when God answered that prayer by bringing the Willets here, when God answered that prayer by Dylan showing up, when God answered that prayer by Ken Smith moving back to Iowa and Henry Carson stepping up in big ways around this church, it was answered this morning when I just saw people caring for each other in the hallways. And, 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 and one person sharing with me about how they've just had a really hard year. This was shared with me right before I got up here. So this is just really fresh and raw this morning. But, 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 but one family who's had a really tough year is driving on Thursday to a Thanksgiving celebration. And they're just beat up. And they said, you know what? Let's just share what we're thankful for. And, and they spend the next however long talking about how thankful they are that Summit is here. Because this wasn't even in existence a year ago. I just thought, wow. God, you're amazing. You're amazing. God answered that prayer. Not immediately. But here's the thing about that prayer. Because I believe we're still praying it today and we still need to pray it today and we'll need to pray it tomorrow. We'll need to pray it next week in a year and ten years. 
The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send workers. Who does Jesus say that to? Who does Jesus tell to pray that God would send workers? The disciples, right? Jesus says to the disciples, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send workers. Who became the answer to that prayer? First, the disciples. One of the things that I've realized is we can't pray a prayer that we'll not, we're not willing to be the answer to. When we pray that prayer, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send workers. But not me, because I'm comfortable. But not me, because I'm content. But not me, because I've done my time. No. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send workers. What's a worker? I'm glad you asked, because I want to dive into this just a little bit. Worker or laborer, as it is in some uh, um, translations, literally means from the Greek ergates or ergates right it's a greek word ergates now for some of you intellectuals that's my one greek word for the month you probably won't hear another one until january okay but just so that you know i went to your level that's the greek word right there worker ergates it means common field hand okay common field hand someone who gets their hands and clothes dirty and their body get this and their body sore from working in the field and from taking care of the animals. I love the way that Paul puts it to the church at Corinth when he says, I will spend and be spent for the sake of your souls. That's a worker. That's a laborer. That's the type of person that Jesus said to pray for for the, for the harvest is plentiful. But those are few. So pray for those common field hands. Someone who gets dirty from being involved in the lives of people. People who need to be one to Jesus and people who know him who need to be shepherded, who need to be taken care of, who need to be shown the way to go, who need to be protected. Isn't it interesting, and I love this, every time we talk about this, I have to point this out, and we've talked about it for the last 11 weeks. Isn't it interesting that Jesus did not say, hey, my heart's breaking for these people, my heart's breaking for these wandering and lost sheep for the harvest, so can you pray for some famous preachers? Like if Brian Houston or, 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 or Francis Chan would just come and, and, and preach, or Matt Chandler would just come and preach, in Maine, wouldn't, would, if, they, if, if we could just send them or some movie stars or some powerful politicians or some rich people or some really smart people or some great Christian athletes, if Tim Tebow would just come preach, I would give my life to Jesus all over again. No. But we talked about it a few weeks ago. So many of us would rather take a selfie with Moses than go meet on the mountain with God ourselves. But that's not what Jesus asked for. Jesus said, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Common field hands. So pray for workers. But again, don't pray for workers unless you're willing to become part of the answer to your prayer. Now I want you to see what this does. Okay? So we've talked about the, the need for workers. We've talked about the, the, the two problems, right? Shepherdless sheep and ripe fruit that needs to be picked. And we've talked about the solution, pray for workers. But I want you to see, I want you to see the why. Okay? So to see the why, let's turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. I want you to see the why. <clears throat> he says here, 
John chapter 4, we're going to fly through the rest of this, okay? Jesus said to them, my food, John chapter 4, verse 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Now I want you to see something here. Satisfaction comes by doing the will of the Father. What God's will is for me versus what is God's will. God's will, right, is that people would know him, is that people would spend eternal life with him, is that people would be with him. We've talked about that all through this series. And I've talked to so many people, and listen, I know that the the struggle is real and that this search is heavy and deep, but there are many people I talk to that say, I'm just so consumed and concerned about what's next. I want to know what's next for me. I want to know what God has next for me. And, And there are some of you that are asking that question right now, and it's valid, and it's legit, and it's real, and I'm not belittling that whatsoever. But my question for all of us is in the season of what's next, are we being faithful with what's now? Because so many of us place the now on hold until we have a clear view of the what's next. And maybe, maybe, maybe God has designed you for that thing that's now. Because I don't know about you, but, well, I I know you weren't there with me, but when I looked at this orange tree, I thought I was done. Go back in the house, catch the end of prices Right, see who got the bid, see who won the grand money, right? I thought I was done. And when Grammy walked me back outside and showed me up under that orange tree and showed me that I was going to have to get a little dirty and sweaty, and I even got a scratch and got bloody. It didn't look too appetizing. It didn't feel very good. Because, hello, we were in Florida and it was hot. But that was the mission. That's what was right in front of me. So many of us are so concerned about what's next that we're not being faithful with now. My food is to do the will of the Father who sent me, Jesus says. To do the will of Him who sent me and to accomplish His work. Do not say, verse 35, there yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields that are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into that labor. Listen, we're not responsible for the role that we play. We're not responsible for the role that we play. We're responsible for our faithfulness. Our faithfulness to His will for His glory. As we close this series, I want to look at Matthew chapter 28 real quickly. We're going to start back in verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. I love that Matthew puts that in there, the but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, well-known commission, right? The Great Commission. I want to practically, as we close out this series, give you ways that we reproduce. A way that we reproduce. And to do that, I want to show you a process. The first way I do, you watch. And so I do something, and you watch, right? I talked a couple weeks ago. Somebody wants to disciple me in how to do an oil change? That'd be awesome. Save me a lot of money. But if we were to do that, and we were to meet in a garage, I wouldn't get under that hood right away, would I? Some of you that know how to do that, no. You would probably, Mark's laughing, so he's like, yeah, no, I would not do that, right? Because it would be a mess for both of us. Um, and so chances are Mark would get under the hood, right? He would show me how to do that, right? He does, I watch, right? And then here's something we miss. We talk. We talk about when, what, what went well, what went wrong, right? What do we need to in, improve on? Um, I, I took somebody to do a visit with me a couple weeks ago, and we drove to the visit, and we were talking on the way about, you know, things that we were going to talk about, things that we were going to do. Then we had a great visit, and then when we left, we talked about, all right, what would, what would you have done differently? What, what needs to be said differently? How, how would we do that conversation differently if we were um, going to do it again, right? So we talk. We evaluate the process. The second thing that happens, you do, I help, right? And so then Mark might have me get under the hood with him, right? And he kind of shows me, hey, this is what you want to screw off, right? And there's something we screw off. Yeah, okay, right? And so you would want to, and, and he, he may have me place the, 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 the thingy, right, right there to catch the oil, right, and so, and so I would help, right, and he'd be right there talking me along every step of the way. I should have never gone with this one, but here we go, right, and, and so he would, he, would, he would talk me through it, right, so he's still doing, but I'm helping, and then we talk, we evaluate, but then it shifts. I do, he helps, and so then he's doing a lot more talking and a lot less doing, right? I do, he helps. And then it goes to, I do, he watches. And so he may not even get under the hood at this point. He may just stand outside the car and laugh the entire time, right? But you get the picture, right? He does, I watch, he does, I help, I do, he helps, I do, he watches. And then that's a lot of times where we stop. Notice that we're talking after each step. Because this is where it gets challenging. This is where it gets uncomfortable. But we gotta go here because if we're ever gonna reach the summit of disciples making disciples and see that legacy that we've been talking about for the last 11 weeks, we have to get to number five. I do, someone else watches. But wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Mark's not even there anymore. That means I'm showing Jeff by myself in his garage how to do an oil change. And Mark, 
but, but wait a minute, I can call Mark, right? Like, uh, like if I, Mark, do I really put the drip pan right under? Like, are, are you sure? Okay, can I show you a FaceTime? Can we FaceTime? No, Travis, you've got to do this on your own, right? I do, someone else watches. I do, someone else helps. Someone else does, I help. Someone else does, I watch. Someone else does, someone else watches. You see that? That's discipleship. All the other things that we've put in our minds that discipleship is, and you know, we, we hear things like Bible study, we hear things like scripture memory, all, all, all of that is a byproduct of this process. And the reason that these marks of a disciple are so important, passion for Jesus, knowledge of the scriptures, heart for community, heart for the lost, and passion about spiritual generations, the reason that those, because you can reproduce anything, are you reproducing a Christ follower? Or are you just reproducing a churchgoer? Are you just reproducing, you fill in the blank. And we're going to close this service a little bit different. Because again, none of this means very much if we don't do anything with it. I was sitting at a coffee shop a couple weeks ago. I was listening to Sydney Garrett play a couple of her songs. And she sang a song called Empty Hands that she wrote. And um, as she sang it, I said, that's the song we need to end this series with. Because here's what needs to happen with me, and I believe needs to happen with so many of us when it comes to discipleship. We've got to empty our hands. We've got to empty our agenda. We've got to empty the things that we think we've arrived to and the things we know. The more, the more I get into discipleship, the more I realize I don't know. I love the way Bill Mowry puts it. He wrote a book called The Ways of the Alongsider. And he says, we've all got pictures hanging in our minds of what it looks like to be a disciple. And we've got to remove the pictures. If you've been a part of our small groups through the fall, you know that that was the, what the cure was all about. Right? That we've got this idea in our minds about who God is and what church is supposed to be and who we're supposed to be, but the reality is so different. And so this morning... <clears throat> I'm going to invite the worship team. They're going to come. They're going to get in place to play this song. I just want you to sit there for a moment. I want you to listen to this song. I want you to read the words of this song. And when you think about a passion for Jesus, when you think about knowledge of the Scriptures, when you think about com community, and when you think about a heart for the lost, when you think about a legacy of generations, I want you to think about in what ways do you need to empty your hands? In what ways do you need to take some pictures off the wall in your mind? Things that you've placed ahead of being a disciple. Because here's what I believe, and hopefully you've caught on to this. The only way to make disciples, really, is to be a disciple. 
If you're passionate about being a disciple, you can't help but make disciples. If you're passionate about loving Jesus, if you're passionate about his word, if you're passionate about church, if you're passionate about people coming to know Jesus, if you're passionate about creating spiritual generations, if you're passionate about those things, you'll make disciples. It'll happen. And so my question for you, my challenge for you as we kind of land the plane on this whole series is would you empty your hands? Would you lay down everything that you thought church was about, Christianity was about leading up to this and allow God to show you His way? It's a shift. It's different. It means different things. It has implications. But I believe it's our purpose. I believe it's our mission. And again, I don't want to be hearing about a church in 2081 called Summit still battling those same things. But what would it look like if there was a legacy of disciple makers that are still facing those things, but man, they're jumping over in leaps and bounds as they're creating generation after generation of passionate Christ followers. Will you pray with me? So God, I pray that we would come clean and that God we would empty ourselves of our th- agendas of our passions or our goals or our focuses that are not of you and your plan for your church but that God you would give us today a passion to reproduce what you've done in us and to other people. And God, that may be as easy as the person sitting right next to us. That may be as easy as the person sitting on the same row that sleeps under the same roof. God, it may be as easy as the person across the aisle saying, I need this. I need you to show me the way of the Lord. God, I pray that that would become the passion of Summit. In Jesus' name, amen.